We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning. How is everybody? Soggy? Got to let everybody get their visiting out of the way. Listen to this quote. I want you to listen to it. I want you to think on it for just a moment. I'm not impressed with anyone's life unless they have integrity. I'm not impressed with anybody's life unless they have integrity, but I'm not happy with their life until they're dangerous. Until they're dangerous. I'm not impressed with anybody's life unless they have integrity, but I'm not happy with that life until they're dangerous. Just let's think here. I'm just going to let you think about it just a second. Most of you look scared. <laughs> Listen, the primary goal of, of many Christians is to be a well-respected citizen in, in the community. We all as Christians want to be respected. We want to show a life of Jesus Christ. We want to show a life that's compassionate. We want to show a life of uh, encouragement, all those things. That, that's, that's the primary goal of most Christians is that we want to be that right person in the community because uh, <clears throat> having good character enables us to be a solid contributor to society. When you don't have good character, most people don't listen to you. When you don't have good character, most people won't listen to you. Now, it's sad to say, but there, for some reason today, America thinks that professional sport athletes have all this knowledge about uh, economics. They have all this knowledge about politics. They have all this knowledge about religion. They have all this stuff. And listen, I, you know, not that I was a, an exceptional athlete, but I knew something about athletes that most people don't. And, man, this is going to hurt some people, but most of them are dumb as a stump. I'm sorry. If you're given something all your life, not having to pay the price for it, which most professional athletes have gone. And here's why I know this. I have an uncle that was, was uh, a great player, football player at Baylor. He was, uh, did really good in the NFL. All of his life, everything was handed to him. He really never had to earn anything other than play his sport. And so when, when you get to that level, he's in his 70s now, but he still lives in his 19s. That's all he knows. Now, I'm not saying every professional athlete is like that, but here's what you find. We, have, we take stock in some people's idealisms simply because they can play a sport really good. Well, they may be good at playing a kid's game at an adult level, but they're not. let me say that again. They may be good at playing a kid's game, a child's game, at an adult level, but that doesn't mean they have integrity. That doesn't mean they have thought processes. That doesn't mean they understand. the. You know, a lot of people are jumping on a lot of things professional-wise, athletic-wise. I'm not here to, you know, condemn athletes. But in our society, you know, if an athlete says it, then everybody jumps on it. Yep, 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 he's right, right. And they really have no, most of them haven't. They haven't got into a depth. They haven't lived in your world. They haven't lived in your world. 
And so I've, I've seen that up close and personal. The problem is they never will live in your world unless they have a change in their life. So, but what is most recognized as a Christian lifestyle today? When you think of a Christian lifestyle, what do you think of? Living for God? What does that mean? Doing what God expects you. He's, he's laid it out for us, hasn't he? Doing what he expects us to do. Christian lifestyle. Patience. Okay. Who said that? I'm putting it out there. Happy birthday. <laughs> Christian lifestyle. Be kind to others. Living your life according to the word. Christian lifestyle. But most people that recognize the Christian lifestyle today, what do they say is the Christian lifestyle? You're a judgmental bigot? That's Christian lifestyle. Hater? I'm not walking off from what you say. I don't. Can we do the green mic? Is that possible? Because a character is a word that we have no, a, a, lot of, a lot of times we don't have the understanding of what character is. Yeah, we have the same language, but we have different dictionaries for what character is. Yeah. Same language. We all say this, this, and this, but the, the actual meaning, you may think one thing, you may think another. So when we think of what is recognized in the world today as Christian lifestyle, if someone were to say, okay, describe a Christian for us. I know that they're, I'm not talking about the hater Christians. I'm just, I'm just, just what is the Christian lifestyle? Be kind to others. Love one another. Go to church. Walk by faith. Christian lifestyle. You have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. So let's look at the world. What does the world say? Not the haters. If a, somebody in the world is looking at you as a Christian and they say this is the lifestyle they lead, what would they say? <laughs> oh, some of us don't want to say it. because <laughs> What would someone outside look at the Christian lifestyle and say, well, that's a Christian. This is how they live. What would they say? Kind to others? I'm just going to keep coming back to it. So it's not, This is not as difficult as it seems. Love your neighbor as yourself? Yes, yeah, somebody outside looks at the Christian world. They're not condemning you as a Christian. Let me see if I can make this easy. They're not condemning you as a Christian. They're talking to someone and saying, listen, if I was going to be a Christian, that's the Christian lifestyle that, you, that, that they live. This is how they live. And that's what I would like to do. That way y'all can't say hate it, you know, because that's what they do. No, that's what they do. But if I, was, if I was outside and I was talking to a friend and I saw a Christian and Okay, so they think the Christian lifestyle is narrow. 
So somebody outside of the Christian world wants to become a Christian, and so they look at the Christian lifestyle. Okay, so Austin understands the question. I'm not. <laughs> We're talking about how the world views the Christian lifestyle, not you. Fruits of the Spirit. But, but the world's philosophy is so foreign to the Christian lifestyle that they just, they don't, they don't relate to it. Right. In today's that's, world. And that's not the question I'm asking. So if I'm going to ask it this way. Say again. Old fashioned. <laughs> if I'm an outsider and I'm looking at your life to become a Christian, what am I looking at? What What are you doing as a Christian that that go going to church is not a Christian lifestyle, folks? Treat people as you want to be treated. That's what, yeah, treating them kind, okay. Going to church is not a Christian lifestyle. You know, you know, we, we have a misconception about that. Many people think they're Christians because they go to church. That fools a lot of people on the outside until that people on the outside see this person on the outside away from church, and they're different than they were or, or act at church, okay. So going to church doesn't make you a Christian no more than going standing in your garage and closing the door makes you a Cadillac. The garage is for the car, right? We go stand in there and make you a car. You get, you got to be made that way. Here's here's the point I'm trying to address. What you and I do as a Christian lifestyle in being kind to others, treating others with respect, treating others like you wanted to be treated, all the things that Jesus said can easily be done to, by people who don't know God. It's foreign to the world, but there are people out there. Listen, I have met people that you think they're church people when you find out they don't go to church at all, but their, their lifestyle is so nice and kind. It's so good. They treat people with respect, and that's the point I'm getting to. We should all live a respectable lifestyle. But there's much more to being a Christian than living a respectable lifestyle. There's much more than that. And that's, that's where I want to go here today. Because in, in the Christian world today, the reason that a lot of people want to be the upstanding person in the community is so that they're respected. And there's not a thing wrong with that. We should all live in that. But understand, while characters should be at the heart of everybody's lifestyle and ministry, it's the power that revolutionizes the world. You're, as much as we live for God and how we live for God, what changes people's lives is not the integrity. The integrity is the door that leads them to the power. You can't lead someone to the power of God if you don't have integrity. Does that make sense? Do as I say, not as I do. Did you ever hear that? Do as I say, not as I do. Everybody's parents probably said that. We've probably said it to our kids and all those things. And see, that, that's not what we do. Our life of integrity should be what we, what we do. 
and then what ha- what we say is derived from the power. I want to. Uh, <laughs> the title of my text here today is, you know, what is the deal with powerlessness? What's the deal with powerlessness? The world around is dying and headed for a devil's hell, and it's in need of much more than just a bunch of nice people. Does that follow me so far? They're in need of much. Don't get me wrong. We're supposed, we need to be nice people. We need to have integrity. But the world around us needs more than people with just integrity. There has to be an, an, a power that derives itself out of the integrity. They need people who have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and, and in, in their own personal lives. That's what the world needs. They need to look into your life and my life and say, okay, they have integrity. How come they have that kind of integrity? It's the power of Jesus Christ in their life because there are people in the world that have the same integrity that you and I have that are not Christians. Now, we can, we can battle that and talk about that, but I can, I can bring some to you next week if you want me to. I can bring them up here and let you talk to them. And They have high integrity. They have high regard for life. They have high regard for what's right. They're not liars. They're not, you know, they don't go out and, and, and do drugs, get drunk. They don't treat, treat people uh, wrong. They don't cheat people at business. They don't do all these things. Those are, those are very high integrity things, and they have no thing, nothing to do with God. So, so, so there's, there's got to be something outside of that. It's the thing, you know, it's like the, the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of people say the fruit of the Spirit is proof that I'm a Christian. No, there are people outside of God that actually have fruit like the fruit of the Spirit. They're joyful, they love, but they're outside of the Spirit. That's not proof you're a Christian. What Paul was saying is, now listen, this, this should be something in your life. This should be an integral part of your life. It should be part of who you are. So let, let me keep going. Because if you have this experience of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your own life, then you learn to put that power into action to affect others. You learn to put that power, you know, because there's a lot of people that have power but have no switch. Yeah. They're looking at me, so I'm just going to do the, y'all keep looking forward. Many a Christian lives like this. That's how they live. There's power in the switch, but they never flip the switch. There's power running through. There's a source of power running through their lives, but they never flip the switch. A lot of people think, well, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was 15 years old. I got the power. Understand, you got to flip a switch in your life. Something has to happen in your life that causes that power to affect others, that causes that power to reach into others' lives. When we come to God, all of us, when we come to God, we have that. We have this hole in our heart that's God-shaped that God fits into us. We have that hole in our heart. 
So God comes into us and does that. So then the question and the point I want to talk about today, and I want you to talk about it with me, is what happens when God fills that hole, fills that spot, comes in in the power of the Holy Ghost? What there, because there still is a switch in your life, you know, to sit around in your life and not exercise the power given you. This, let, so we're talking about two things here, character and we're talking about power, Right? Character or uh, what we talk, we deem about character in lives, and we're talking about power. So let's narrow it down to the Christian life, not the world. Let's narrow this back to the Christian life. See, there are too many people in the kingdom of God that have placed their focus on character, which is fine, but they've allowed the power to fall to the wayside. You got to have character, but you got to have power. The two are congruent for the, the two connect for a specific reason, because from a scriptural standpoint. When you have character and you have power and they come together and it's called obedience. That's what obedience is in the scripture. The character that you receive that God builds in your life and the actuation of the power of it brings obedience. So consider Acts chapter 1. He commanded the disciples to go and stay in Jerusalem to wait for a promise, a power that was to come. So they acted in obedience. Why did they act in obedience? Because there was a character in their life, and now there was a power that was about to be engaged in their life that would totally transform their life. So keep going. He said they would receive power after the promise had come upon them, the Holy Ghost. The Greek word we know here for, for power is, is dunamis. It's where we derive the English word dynamite or dynamic. Uh, it's a divine enablement, an ability that comes from on high. So let's look for a moment at this obedience thing. Because what I'm not demeaning character at all, and I'm not demeaning power at all. But in our lives, we need to have both in order to be obedient to God. There has to be an action. We read in the Scripture where, you know, faith without works is dead, faith being alone. And we understand that faith ha has this thing about it is that there's a, there's a thing that comes from God, but there's an action that comes from us. There's a thing in our life to believe in God, and there's an action that comes from God because faith is a two-way thing. It's a two-way street. And so uh, let's just look a little closer. So we were created by God for relationship, and the purpose of the relationship that God created you and I for was to bring glory, His glory, into His created world. So when God created Adam and He created Eve, the purpose was relationship. So in a relationship, there has to be character. In a relationship, there has to be power or action. Character, power, or action. The life of many Christians today is, is the, the relationship part, is the character part, is the, but then the power part or the, the action part seems to wane somewhat. But when that happens, then there's a lack of obedience. God, God didn't, you're not born again. See, how can I say this? You're not born again to be saved. That is a result of what will happen because you were born again and you moved into the Christian lifestyle. You begin to follow the teachings of Jesus. You're born again. You're born of water and of the Spirit so that we 
continue the commands of Jesus. We continue the work of Jesus. And when we do that at the end, what happens? I've totally lost this here, haven't I? We are commanded by God to live holy, right? Anybody disagree? We're commanded to live holy. Now, for some of us that come from a different background, uh, living holy meant how we dressed or what we didn't cut or did cut or, you know, all those things. By the way, that was for women only. Yeah. It's interesting the men had to do anything. That's not what living... Holy means to live separate. You're not connected to this world. You're in this world, but you're not connected or of this world. So, uh, our, you know, we're to live separate lives. This is the character or integrity part. Living separate unto God is your, your character and your integrity. But Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10 that they had to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. And so if we come to God and we live in integrity, but we don't raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, are we in obedience? Don't, don't answer that. Think about it a second. Are we in obedience? Because I'm not impressed with the life. This is not my quote. This is a quote from someone else until they have integrity. But, but you know what? They need to learn to become dangerous. That word dangerous doesn't mean what you think. There's got to be an action in our life. When we have just integrity with no action, we're sort of in a rut. We're not allowing the things of God to come out of our life that should. And he gave them a message to preach and a power to make it believable. Jesus preached a message of a kingdom, but he also gave his disciples the power to make that message believable. Jesus didn't say, just take my word for it. He said, let me show you. Let me show you. Hey, you guys go and cast out devils. Let me show you. Come out of him. Go preach the gospel, but let me show you the power. Heal the sick. And see, those things, those, those are results of the power that we're plugged into that are the second part of obedience in, in our actions towards God. Real obedience is living the life of integrity before God coupled with his power. That's what real obedience is. A lot of times we think obedience is just minding God, doing what God said we had to do, following what God said we must do. That is part. That's the integrity part. The other part of obedience, though, is performing it, actually doing it. And it's not just about what our rules are because many of us live by rules. We don't want to say that, but we live by rules. I don't do this because not because God said I shouldn't do it, but if I do it, I'm going to get in trouble. When you're living with the power attached to the integrity, you don't have that thought process. Your thought process is completely different. I do these things not because I'm going to get in trouble with God if I don't do them or vice versa, but you know what? I do these things that God asked me to do because that's obedience. And He didn't ask me to just be kind, joyful, patient. He asked me to go out and reach the lost, to preach the gospel. He asked me to go out and lay hands on the sick that they would recover. He asked me to go out and cast out devils. All of those things. And you're getting nervous. Either that or I'm getting nervous. Somebody's getting nervous in here. So believers without power are actually living an unbalanced life. How can I be a believer without power? How can I, how can I, 
I'm going to answer the question for you. How can I be a, be a believer and live without power? You've got to flip the switch. When you plug into power, there's a power source there. Do you know that when you, you know these lights, you hear that hum? That's the electrical outside. If you turn everything out and you listen to these lights here, there's a hum because there's a particular thing inside of that light fixture that doesn't allow all the power that's in that box to come into that light. Because you know what would happen if it did? Blow it up. So you understand that there, in God, there's, there, you know, could we possess all the power that exists in the living God that we really don't know anything about? Or, or does God bring it to a point where this is how we, it's used in your life, but it's used? When you study your Bible, don't focus on some kind of emotional healing or uh, self, self. That's big. If you listen now, it's about self-esteem. And you should have self-esteem according to God. It's, it's, it's about emotional. You should have emotional healing in your life because of God. But the focus on studying God's Word is to understand, and this is going to be an East, East Texas term, so I'll say it slow, is to find the trigger and pull it. Find the trigger. If you're out hunting and you see the animal, there's power in that gun. There's a bullet in that gun. There's... But if you don't pull the trigger, nothing happens. If you don't flip the switch, nothing happens. Many Christians spend their lifetime trying to overcome what they've already defeated, and therefore they never learn to pull a trigger. Many Christians spend their lifetime trying to overcome something that's already been defeated. He defeated it for you. And when you become His, you're victorious in that. So that particular battle has already been fought and won already. So if you call up old issues, old sins, and old habits, if you old problems and you battle with those all the time, you know what you're doing? You're giving life to something that's dead. You are resurrecting something that's already dead. And that's why we don't do that. God's power is a divine enablement so He, he can fulfill, so that we can fulfill His commission in our life. It's His commission, not yours. His commission. But in order for us to fulfill His commission, we have to have integrity in our life, but we also have to have the power that enables us to fulfill it, and therefore it lines up and becomes obedience. So we're called to be clothed with this power and ability. There's a tendency, and this is going to be, there's a tendency by some to only do those things which they have the power to do within themselves. There's a tendency, not outside the church, inside the church. There is a tendency in the church today to do those things that they have the power to do themselves, so we'll do those things and call them God's stuff because we were able to do it under our own power, but it's God's stuff. You know, uh, in case God doesn't really show up, you ever say, I'm not, I don't know what I, I should pray for that person or not because what if I pray and God doesn't do it? God does things according to his will, not because according to what you want. And so we get into this quandary of, well, I'm not sure if I pray for him. Well, if I pray for him and God doesn't heal him. So, you know, we won't do that. We'll just gather around and, and we'll all look at each other and believe God's going to do it. We just won't say anything about it. And that way, if God doesn't show up, we're not embarrassed. We ain't got anything out there. Never flipped on the switch. You never flipped on the switch. God doesn't, it doesn't take any faith to do what's possible. 
didn't take any faith to do what's possible. It, and I said this before, I'll say it again. Faith comes with the impossible because with men, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And so our faith has to be the trigger that we pull that creates the power. Because, again, you, you know, you can hit that gun on the ground. You can spin it around. You can throw it up and twirl it. And you can do whatever you want. It's not going to go off till you pull the trigger. Not going to go off till you pull the trigger. And faith in our life, it pulls the trigger of the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Faith. But faith is a scary thing to most of us because we're not sure, right? We're not sure what's going to happen. But we don't pray in faith being sure of what's going to happen. We pray in faith being sure of God. When you give something to God, However, whatever he does or doesn't do is all on him. And God says, give it to me. Let me do my thing. But the problem we're going through in churches today is we can't release that thing. We can't say in Jesus' name. You know, one of my favorite deals, and I, I use it praying. I don't want to, you know, follow a pattern. But, you know, as, as Peter and John are there, you know, such... I don't have anything to give you, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. I like saying that. You know why? Such as I have. What God's given me, I'm giving to you. Now, that's between you and God. Well, I've, I've given you mine. I'm backing up. Just grab my hand. I'm backing up because I'm going to see what God does here. What if he had pulled that guy up and the guy would have just fell down again? That's on God. That wasn't on Peter or John. But our problem is in Christianity, and that, again, this is where the obedience thing comes in, is that the integrity and the power create the obedience. Uh, some people call that safe faith, by the way. Safe faith. You know what safe faith is? Safe faith? What you need to have is dangerous faith. Dangerous faith. Dangerous to who? Dangerous to sickness. Dangerous to disease. Dangerous to the devil. See, the devil likes our safe faith because we're relying on ourselves. We're relying on our capabilities. What he's scared of is our dangerous faith. Because our dangerous faith, you know what? We're going to believe God to do something. We may not understand it. We might not even agree with it. Has God ever done something in your life you prayed for, but it wasn't what he... What you prayed and asked for, it was something different, and you didn't agree with what happened? I have. But you know what? It doesn't matter if I agree with it or not. If I turn it over to God, that, that's why this is important. But, but power usage requires faith usage. You, if you, <clears throat> hey, I'm just going to ask you, buddy. Who, you, 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 you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have the power of God that resides in you. You raise your hand. If you don't know, that's fine. We'll get you to pray through today. <laughs> you have the power of God in you. That power requires this faith switch. You can have all the power you want, so you turn the switch on. When I came in today, it's just dark in here. I was by myself. Flip that light on. See everything. But I had to flip the switch. Faith is that switch. You know, actually believe what God said. Do, do we actually believe what he said? He said, now, according to the situation, I'm going to do, no, uh, Depending on the circumstance, no, he said, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said that, right? He said that to his disciples who were standing right in front of him before he ascended, right? They watched him go up like Superman. So he said that. But previous, he had told his disciples, ye are going to do what? 
You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. Great. Matter of fact, yeah. Yeah, you think what you saw with me is something? If if you'll turn the switch of faith on and watch the power of God work, watch what happens. Watch what happens. So believe what God said. That's huge. See, many of us read the Bible and we believe what God said. But what does believe mean? It's an action. Right. That spring's not just for me to drink out of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. ETH on the end of that word means perpetual. Keeps going. Keeps going. You keep believing. You keep believing. It keeps going. It keeps going. Now, yeah, he, did, he said he didn't take a whole lot of faith, did it? If you just, why is that? Because with just a, little bit of, just a little bit of faith, if you flip the switch, watch what the power does. It's, and it's immense. <clears throat> Do we believe in God's abilities? You believe in God's abilities. Do we believe in God's timing? That's the hardest one for us. Uh, of the, what God said and of his abilities, it's God's timing we have the most difficult thing with. Because we're Americans. We've got microwave mentality. And it's, when we plug it in, it's got to happen today. When I flip that switch on, you know, when you try to heat corn on the cob, you have, that water has to come to a boil. So it takes about five, ten minutes for water to come to a boil. Then you put your corn in there, and then it has seven more minutes, and the corn's done. You know what we learned? You can put it in the microwave and put it on one, and a a corn is done. (laughs) Yeah, have you tried that with corn on the cob? Just stick it in the microwave and put it on one, one minute. Your corn is done just like you boiled it for 10 or 15 minutes. And it tastes the same, and that's how we work. That's how a lot of times we're working with God. We want to microwave this thing, get the same result. The timing thing. Many bought when God doesn't show up on the when, how, and where, and why. You know, they simply want to live in the safe faith. If I live in the safe faith, I don't have to worry about the when, where, why, and how, right? Here's the thing about the dangerous faith. You don't have to worry about the when, where, why, and how. It's the same deal. Which faith do you live in? Because the dangerous faith is a power faith. It's a faith of believing God said he would do it if he said it in his word he would do it. Because oftentimes we will quote scripture to people, but as we're quoting it, our mind and our heart says, hmm, I hope you believe it better than I'm believing it, even though I'm telling it to you. Understand that the purpose of God's power is to be a witness. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses not to them, but unto me. That's what the Word says. You're not 
So we, we got that switched around a little bit. We're witnesses unto all the lost. But it says, you be witnesses unto me, he said. What does that mean? That means the power that you have is a witness of Jesus Christ in you. It's a witness of Jesus. What is a witness? What if you're a witness? What does that mean? You saw something happen. You didn't hear it. You saw it. That's what a witness is. You can't hear something going to court and say, this is what I heard. You saw that wreck or you heard that wreck? You that's heard that wreck, get out. You that saw it, let's have a talk. It's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. Uh, understand that its purpose, again, is to be a witness, not a show-off. Not a show-off. We're not here to show off for Jesus. I, I heard a preacher preach that one time. We're here to show off. No, we're not here to show off for Jesus. We'll be a witness of his power. That's not showing off. You know what? If, 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 it, it ain't bragging if you can do it. It ain't showing off if you can do it. It's just what it is. Now, it's bragging when later on you, you say that you did it. It's showing off if you say, look what I did. Now that comes to show. But listen, if you're a witness unto Jesus Christ, he gets the glory. God's power transforms a life of sin into a life of godliness when his ability to touch a physical life is on display. I told this story. I'll tell it again. I was on the roof of the guy. He was an AC guy, and some roofers had messed up something on his AC system. But before we were talking about that, we were talking God. Man, this is great. And so the roofer shows up, and the same guy that was talking about God said every four-letter word you can think of. Right, just like the switch was turned off. When a life is transformed, it doesn't mean we don't have problems. It does, however, mean that we have a switch that's on that should be turned on. If it's not turned on, then, then that, that's an issue in our life. Listen, the physical display in your life of the power of God that's working within you is the signs and wonders. It's pointers. It's the signs and wonders. Pointers show God's ability to bring change in a life. It's not a brag. It's not a show-off. It's, it's, again, it, it's, it's a power in a life that shows what God can do. So possessing his power is based upon the pursuit of an encounter with him. Let me finish this off. I'm going to have to skip some things here. Possessing God's power in your life is based upon the pursuit of an encounter that you have with him. He pursues you, and when you answer the pursuit then what comes into your life? You become born again, right? You become born again. So when you become born again, the power is now enabled in your life. But in order to activate and work that power, you now must pursue God. You've got to pursue God. First Chronicles 16 11, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face. That's pursuit. First Chronicles 22 and 19, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord, your God. That's pursuit. Psalm 34 and 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Pursuit. Psalm 105 and 4, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Pursuit. I can go on and on and on. Once we come to God, there should be an active pursuit that we have for him. An active pursuit we have for him. David's pursuit of God paid off for David. Did David have problems in his life? Yes. Did he have issues? Yes. Did he have things that happened in his family because of his sin? Yes. But his pursuit of God paid off big time for him. 
because he was pursuing God. He's still known as the man after God's own heart, even today. Two, three thousand, four thousand years later, he's still known as the man after God's own heart. We have to realize and believe that God is a whole lot bigger than we could ever believe that he is. He's a whole lot bigger. Our quest should be to know this God. We know so little about the God we serve, but we know we have a book that tells us the relationship thing that he wants to have with us, and that's what he wants us to know. But there's so much to know about God. We have no, there's no, we can't even fathom what we don't know. It's not possible for us to understand that. There's so much. But here's the thing. We have to be on a quest or a pursuit after it. I don't sit down because I don't know and say, well, I don't know, and I guess I can't. So, no, 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 no. We take his word, and we, we take prayer, and we, we pursue him. We pursue after him. Your pursuit, though, requires an inner passion for a life-changing encounter. You pursue God so that you have a life-changing well, I did have a life-changing power. July the 6th, 1979. I had a life-changing thing happen. Yeah. Maybe that was the day you were born again. Not me, but that was the day you were born again. That, you know, that started this life-changing pursuit. Because every day that you pursue God, it should be life-changing. It should be life-changing. It should happen over and over and over. You know, there's so many people in church that, you know, I... I Believed on the Lord in this day, and I, I received the, this day, and I was baptized this day, and all this, and that was their day of power. No pursuit power after that. So, if you get in a car, and you turn it on, and it runs, and you drive that car until the gas runs out, and you leave the key on, what happens? Battery runs dead. It's not because it ran out of gas. It's the switch. Because if your car runs out of gas, you can turn the switch off and save the battery. And what happens in a lot of people's lives is they don't learn the switch thing. They don't learn the switch thing. So don't be content with past encounters. You ever had a great encounter with God? Man, I'm telling you, I've had a bunch of them. I've had a lot of them, countless. But I'm not content with that. That was fabulous. It's wonderful. And I'm not content because there's greater and there's more that God wants to do. You, you said it a few minutes ago, greater things, Jesse. You said, made that. understand that there are greater things God wants to do in your life. There's greater things he wants you to do. It's not that just God wants to be greater. He wants you to be greater because you are what? You are the witness of his power in this earth. I can guarantee you if, if somebody off the street just walking by here ran their child in here, they didn't know who we are. Ran, do y'all believe that God can touch my child? He's dead. And we prayed, and that child came back to life. What do you think would happen next week? Not with you. Church would be full because that person's, my child was dead, and they prayed, and they're going to tell, you know, boy, that gets out there quick. What else can happen? Man, that church would be full. Why is that? Because the witness of the power To be more intimate, you have to become intimate with the power source. To be more intimate, you have to become intimate with the power source. There's an intimacy outside of God. There's an intimacy inside of God. And so that intimacy is derived from the power source, which is God. So the more we learn about the power source, then the more we become powerful in our life through the power source. So never take lightly your pursuit. 
never, you know, if you got to skip something one day, skip breakfast or lunch or dinner or skip a snack or whatever. Skip, skip going to the ball game or skip going to this. You know, I'm going to tell you, skip work. That's not a good idea. But skip things. Skip things if they interfere with your pursuit of God. Just skip them. Not, not saying they're sin. Listen, not a sin to go to the ball game. But if that interferes with your pursuit of God, maybe you shouldn't go. Not because it's a sin, but it's interfering with your pursuit of the power. The powerlessness that exists in the church today can be traced to one particular issue. The powerlessness that's in church today, and I'm not talking about our church. I'm just to church world because we have to engage in this. Somebody has to engage in this. If we don't engage in it, maybe the rest of the church world never gets it. It's our responsibility to engage in this. The, the, the powerlessness that exists. What do you mean by that, Pastor? <clears throat> you do realize that not everybody has the baptism of the Holy Ghost, right? Right. But I received the Holy Ghost when I believed. Well, Paul said have, to the Corinthian, Acts chapter 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, they had to go back to John's, what John preached. But you understand what Paul was asking. That believing doesn't mean you receive. Now, let that sink in a little bit. Because a lot of people in church today, lovely and wonderful people. But they don't understand that they have not received the power. They don't understand. Why is that? Most of them have not been taught. It's that simple. They've never heard it. It's that simple. They've never read it. It's that simple. The biggest issue is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness, not praying. That's what causes the lack of power in our church world. We're not praying like we ought to be praying. We're not seeking God. That's what prayer is. It's a pursuit of God. If we teach, preach, and witness and nothing happens, maybe it's time we fall back to our knees. Maybe it's time we plug back in. That's what prayer does. The modern church has attempted to justify its lack of power by creating new doctrines rather than crying out to God. We'll just create a new doctrine, therefore it gives us an excuse to not pray. The bottom line is, church, we have to be on our knees praying. It's important as the church that we talk to God about what's going on, and not in just in our lives, but in our families, our communities, the world, that we have this pursuit of God because we're not calling God today to complain to Him. I'm not going to go and pray, God, why are you letting this happen? Why is this going on? God, you know, why hadn't you done better for me? That's not why I'm not, I don't say those prayers. That's not. Now, my prayer is, listen, Lord, if, if, if the power that's supposed to witness out of my life in you is supposed to come out, there's something I'm not doing. And so I'm here to talk to you about it again because maybe I'm just not talking to you enough. And understand something. There's a purpose in the Holy Ghost to help you do this. I'm going to end here because I don't want to go over like I did last week. A lot of times God's speaking to you, but you're not able to hear it. He's speaking to you. You've asked God, but he's not able, you're not able to hear it. Why is that? Anybody? Just There's different reasons, but... We had, yeah, maybe we need to turn the switch on to here. There's several reasons, but. Okay, so we're off, our relationship off. Maybe, maybe the integrity part, 
of obedience is off. Maybe we've become our integrity in where it needs to be. There's several things that can happen here, several things. But we have to understand something is that prayer brings that all back into focus. All back into focus. Bishop, I know you want to say something. i got a lot more, but I'm going to stop here. Isaiah 45, Isaiah is talking about the potter and the clay. The clay asking the potter, why did you make me thus? And then he goes on and says, a kid doesn't ask their parent, their father, why, why did you beget me, your mother, why did you bring <laughs> me forth? Because you're not a product of your parents, you're a product of God. And then he said, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons. You're not a, just a son of your parent. You're a son of God. Yeah. Concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. That's why God created us, to consider his works and to bring his commandment into the lives of others. Yeah. Command ye me. Awesome. We've got a lot more. Maybe we'll talk about this next week some more. Just remember this. Our, our prayer, our prayer is, is key to what God's wanting to do in our life right now. You're just, you're, I'm not talking about when you go to bed at night and, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Not that. I'm sure God's heard that a billion times. It's, it's an actual conversation. It's an actual conversation. Again, a lot more to say, but we'll, we'll save that for next time. Thank you. God bless you. Let's take a little time before worship. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.